morning, Strong Tower Church family. We'll try that again. Good morning, Strong Tower Church family. Um, I am honored to be with you this morning uh, just to bring a word. Um, but I don't want you uh, to see this as an opportunity just to hear. We are here together. So it's important because we have to shift the mindset. What we're going to unpack today is what has transpired in our lives over this 2020 year. Sometimes we come together as the body and we see the people on the platform and they become portions of the body that we seek to be like. Rather than understanding like that the body comes together and every portion of the body is important, plays a part. So we are here today to hear God's word, to engage and connect with that together. And this morning, we're gonna be talking about hope, how one pursues eternity. Because hope has become a very fragile thing this year. It has been tested. For some of us, it's left. We're just holding on, trying to get through the rest of the year hoping in some shallow form that next year will just be better. But if hope is not a part of the journey, there is no journey to take. So let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time, this opportunity to be in a place where you are present and can be found. We ask that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying in the land. Give us eyes to see and give us a heart that is broken for you. That we see ourselves as the hands and feet, a part of your purpose in this world. And we say yes and amen. Bless this house. Bless the body that gathers here. May they remain forever faithful. In your name we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. Um, we will go through the quick formalities, and I say that just because anyone that knows me knows that I am um, very much more interested in what God is doing than my name being known. And so uh, my name is Ray Allen. I live in Lakeland. That's kind of the long and short of it. Um, <laughs> outside of that, uh, my wife is here, uh, Gwen Allen, and two of my four children. Um, Lincoln and Liberty, um, and then we've had the blessing to uh, just have a great relationship and friendship with the Turners, so Pastor Ben and Miss Nikki, thank you all so much for having me today, uh, giving me this opportunity to share with you. Um, outside of that, welcome to the family. So we're just going to dive in. Um, I don't, the waiting thing doesn't really make sense to me because you're going to get wet anyway, so you might as well just go ahead and jump in. So we're just going to jump into today's word, because again, we want to talk about renewing hope, right? When we think about 2020, as you begin to look back on that, this being the final Sunday of 2020, um, for some of us, and you've heard this, I'm sure, you may have even had these thoughts, um, can we just finish? <laughs> can we just finish 2020? Some people have said, can we get a reset? Let's try this again. Something was wrong. But regardless of where you find yourself, the thing I think we have not done in 2020 is had that real conversation with God. 
You know the one where you have more questions than answers? Because what you see and what you are experiencing is not what you signed up for. Like nobody, everyone was talking about how good 2020 was going to be. We're going to walk into it, you know, clear vision, like all of these good things were going to happen. And then we hit 2020 and it was like, wait a minute. Somebody messed up. <laughs> and in this process, whether it be the election, whether it be a pandemic, whether it be job loss, insecurity, racial tension, like irregardless of what it has been, this was not the 2020 that I think anybody planned for. And in that process, what I began to pick up on was that I saw believers losing hope. Or better yet, giving away their hope. Because it's one thing to take a loss as the result of you engaging in struggle. It's another thing to give up your hope. And sometimes we're just so busy we can't tell which one is which. So Webster defines hope as a feeling of expectation, a desire for a certain thing to happen. And sometimes, right, like our, our hope begins to shift to expectations in people. Maybe it's my job, it's my abilities, it's my skill. And along the way, we begin to move away from our hope being found in Jesus to now our hope is in things. And again, then 2020 hit, and the whole world paused. What I could do really didn't matter anymore. How intelligent I was, how much money I made, like none of those things had the ability to provide for me what I thought it was going to. And in the midst of this, here is God helping us to unpack what we're walking through because he's helping us to see maybe I begin to place my hope in things that I could do. And what I saw is tangible. Maybe along this journey, I've displaced my hope and trust being in God and him alone. And my source became the substance that I had my hands in. I remember I was doing some job searching. And it took me all of 30 plus years to finally come to like this revelation that my job has always been a resource, not the source. And most of the time, that's not how we operate, right? We're going to give it our best. We're trying, to, we're trying to work so we can get to this next step, or we're looking for this opportunity, and we're, we're trying to, to make it happen. And we call it our best. We call it us being diligent. And I believe you can do things in excellence, but when your source becomes what you do and not the person that gave you breath, you have displaced your hope. And I finally realized that my job was always supposed to be a resource, not the source. And it became such a freeing moment for me. 
because I still had to go to work. Now, we're not going to say, you still got to go to work. <laughs> still got to go to work. But now I was going to work understanding that my hope was in the source, that this was just a resource, so I'm free to be everything he's called me to be in this space. Not subject to what this was going to provide for me for coming here. My hope was displaced. See, when your hope becomes displaced, you often find yourself being carried by your cross rather than you carrying your cross. Because when my hope is in Jesus and I understand what has been done for me and that's my source, I'm given the ability to pick up my cross and to bear it and to carry it. But when my hope begins to be everything else, no, I find that, man, that cross is carrying me through a lot of things. And we were not designed for that. Not designed to be that way. So I think about the prophets, right? Because in the Old Testament, what you see is they are having to bring forth a word. They're having to share that with the people. It brings correction not only to the, the body of Israel, but it also brings correction to the, the kings of the day. And yet when they brought forth that word, they still had to live through that. Sometimes I think we want to bring the word and then we want to pack it up and keep it moving. Because that's easier. And Micah has this moment as he's sharing in Micah 7, 7, where he says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. See, many of us have approached 2020 with this. I can't wait to get through with this. Get me out. Make it happen. Because our hope's not set where it needs to be. In the midst of the struggle, Michael says to the people around him and to the body of believers, he says, I will wait for the Lord. You can do whatever you decide to do, but I'm going to wait here until God responds. Because my waiting in this moment and his answer will be better than anything I can do on my own. Micah's hope is placed in the source. So today, my question to you is this, where is your hope? And let's keep it real. I often will share with people, the only way to live is honestly. If you're not doing that, you ain't living. Where is your hope? Has it waned? Have you given up on some things? Have you walked away from some things? And Salman, I don't know if you have a timer or if you just want to point, because I can already see that I'm, I'm just following, and so I have no idea what time looks like. But Ben, I'm going to try to honor that. I promise I am. So you've heard the statement, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So let me clarify this. One, it's not just a statement. It's scripture. So Proverbs, that's where that's found, and Solomon makes that statement. But we often leave it there. We don't finish the rest of the scripture because it says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes we're quick to give up hope because we aren't finishing the process. We think that the first trial or the first no becomes the point at which we should quit. So you give up. You get to 2020 and something happens and all of a sudden, like we don't, we're not even sure if God is still on the throne anymore. Like we're not sure if the source is enough. And in this passage in Hebrews 10, Paul unpacks what he is trying to share, which is don't forget that when you said yes to Jesus, you begin to experience suffering. You, you begin to experience struggle. Like, don't forget that those things came as the result of saying yes, but he was still faithful. So the question then becomes, why has our hope faded? How, why has it waned? Why have we given up? How are we supposed to sit at a table prepared in the presence of our enemies if we don't have the hope to be there? Because at the first sign of an, of an exit, you're going to retreat. So hope becomes this perspective, I think, that we have to take on, which is, how am I pursuing eternity? I'm not just hoping in a better day, I'm hoping in eternity. That the purpose that God created us is more important than my current position. Because my current position will read all kinds of things. Look at it this way. If, when you look into a mirror, that mirror has a purpose. It's supposed to show you what you look like, every nook and cranny. It's going to show you what exists. It's going to show you what's behind you. But if you were to break that mirror into pieces, you would have to continue to shift positions to see yourself in each of those pieces. But every piece of that broken mirror is still fulfilling its purpose. It will still show you you. When we begin to look and chase positions, because our position of hope as eternity is different, we will constantly have to readjust and readjust and readjust and readjust because we aren't looking at the purpose any longer. We're trying to find the position of where I should be in order to have hope fulfilled in my life. And I need you to get that. Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter what position you're placed in when hope's purpose is in light of eternity, you can be in the midst of the darkest of places because you understand that the purpose of hope is eternity. When hope is based on your position, you're in trouble. Because the moment it turns into what you didn't plan for, your hope is now less. The moment things don't work out, well, why am I doing this? You begin to question all of the things that you already had answers for. And now all of those things are up for debate. And this is the interesting part, is we don't see how deceptive the enemy is. 
See, we're looking for the enemy that we see 100 miles away coming. But if you saw that, you would be prepared for it. The enemy of your soul is looking for familiarity. Because that's the place where you're most vulnerable. So when I'm familiar with my job and with my relationships, those settings become open doors for the enemy to attack. Why? Because I'm no longer looking for an enemy. My assumption at that point is everything's going to be okay. And this is the drift, because it happens in so many areas of our lives. The drift then becomes that my hope is no longer being viewed in light of eternity. Now my hope is because, well, everything's going well, so I just assume it's going to continue to go well. And this is difficult for us as believers, as people. And that's why we're looking at this today. So Hebrews 10.23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. That means unmovable. That means you're not being shaken. That means 2020 is not the determining factor of where my hope is placed. It means COVID doesn't determine whether I continue to praise the Lord and to communicate who he is in my life. It means my job status doesn't determine the joy in my life. When my perspective is set on eternity, and that is the hope, my situations don't determine my response. My response is already determined by my hope. So where is your hope today? For just some historical context, Paul is unpacking this conversation between the, the, the believers of that day because they're looking at historically the law of Moses and they're looking at now the gospel of Christ. And what Paul is helping them to understand is that the law was just a shadow of what was fulfilled in Christ's coming and him fulfilling the law. And he begins to help them to see that when we look back at the law, yes, there were things that the law provided for us, but the thing that the law could not do, it could not take care of it once and for all. The law mandated that you had to continue to bring sacrifice. Christ became the ultimate sacrifice, and in doing so, fulfilled the law. So Paul is, he's ironing out this concept for the people to say, if you lose sight of who Christ is, if you lose sight of where our hope should be placed, you are in the place again where you have to continue to give sacrifice. And that sacrifice is never going to once and for all make amends. And he points this out for us. Because I found in my own life that I've shifted from seeing life through the lens of eternity. And I begin to come back to this place of, well, 
if I just do this thing, and if I just do this thing, and if I just do this thing, maybe, maybe things will be okay. See, we find ourselves getting in these circles and on these loops. And so in my, my Monday through Friday job, I oversee diversity and equity and inclusion and belonging at Southeastern University. And I think it's funny that the world is always trying to find a better way to just say, love your neighbor as yourself. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's my job. <laughs> so it's literally like what I'm doing. But in that process, what I constantly see in my own life, the loop that I find myself in, is allowing my past to create a narrative for where I live presently. Instead of looking back and recognizing this should be the highlight room of the victories that God has had in my life, I look back and I notice the mistakes and I see the negative things and then those begin to create a narrative of my current reality. And there's not much hope in that. So you have to ask yourself, what's the loop that you put on repeat in your own life? That's allowing your hope to continue to drain rather than it being filled, rather than it being full, rather than being connected to the source, you're replaying something that's causing you to lose hope in eternity. And then enters Jesus the disruptor. So in the level one day-to-day premise, when you look at disruptors, they are vital for your life because they create opportunities to create a new cycle. And the disruptor is the moment that something happens that goes against what you are expect- expecting, your expectation. So when I don't expect things to go positive in my life and they go well, that's a disruptor. Jesus was the ultimate disruption for our lives because we were on a crash course with death. And he enters and he breaks that cycle. And not only creates a new cycle and a a new man and a new creature, but then he says, I am now the eternal hope. So when you lose sight or when your hope is feigning and when it is becoming less, be reminded of the greater hope. Remember, I am your hope. Because it's easy when you know what to do, you know how to do it, you know when to do it. It's easy to live life. But when we have to start now operating and moving in a place where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 2020 wasn't the Lord stepping away. 2020 was the Lord allowing us to see things a whole lot clearer. Because some of us got to the place where we just expected to get up tomorrow. We just expected to go to work. We expected the things to just go the way that we assume they should go. Because why? 
We just live in it. It's like waking up expecting God to just do the things that he's called to do because he owes you. Instead of understanding that, man, we owe every breath and fiber of our being to him. There's so much that happens in this relationship and journey and walk when we have hope that is filled with an eternal perspective. And so there are just two things that I really want to leave you with today. And the first is this. Nothing has the power and the ability to take away your hope. But we all possess the opportunity to give up. See, it's easy to say, oh, look, this did that, and this did that, and this did that. Nothing possesses the power to take something away from you. But you choose to give it up. See, this is the closet talk, right? That conversation with God that where truth comes in and it exposes everything. Because the majority of us don't walk around saying, yeah, that's on me because I gave it away. We have someone else or something else to blame for our current circumstances. So what I decided moving into this year was 2020 and COVID was not going to be my excuse for not seeing God move in my life. It wasn't going to be my excuse for me not having joy. It wasn't going to be my excuse to not serve. Like anything that 2020 was going to bring to the table was the Lord preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemy. See, when you give up hope, you are no longer approaching the conversation with eternal perspective, which means you aren't approaching the conversation with the purpose of who you are, you are now approaching the conversation with a person that was just put into a position. So you'll sit down in the chair because it exists. Because that's what you're supposed to do. You don't sit down at the table because you know your father prepared it for you. It's like coming into Strong Tower Church and not taking a seat. Why do you come in and take a seat? Because you already know that this place has been prepared for you. So what happens? You feel comfortable. You feel confident. You know what you're coming in to do. We, are, we don't approach our journey with the Lord with that kind of hope and expectation. And as the result of it, we kind of walk in and it, it's like a dog with his head out the window. Whatever is going to smack that dog in the face, it's going to happen. <laughs> Gums flapping everywhere, and it's just wind. And we walk through life just being hit by all kinds of stuff. Flapping in the wind as if we have not been put on this journey with purpose. Put in this place for a reason. And to do this journey without hope is to not walk this journey. It's not to live this journey. So we have the option to give away that hope, but we also possess the ability to maintain hope, to sharpen hope, to display hope.
And this is my second point. You have to understand you are part of God's plan for hope being dispersed across the nation. See, Jesus died for you while you were yet still a sinner. So he was already doing it and making it possible before you knew him. And then when you come to know him, you begin to see him in a different light. And as the result of having him and him being a part of your life, you now have this expectation for what is to come. So what he does in an instant is he helps you to understand that your past has already been taken care of. Your present is already with me, and I am going to prepare a place for you so your future is intact. It's the reason why he can be the one sacrifice for all time. Because he sews up your past, present, and future. As Paul continues to lay out this story, he gets to a portion of it where he makes this statement and it says in Hebrews 10, 16, and 17, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. I want to read this in the message because I, I just want you to get it. The reason that you are a part of God's plan and hope being dispersed across this world. That same, those same two verses in the message reads like this. This new plan I am making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper. It's not going to be chiseled in stone. This time I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. And then the Lord concludes by saying, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. This hope that we are looking for is not something that's set far off. It's something that when you say yes to Jesus becomes a part of you. It's written in the lining of your hearts. It's a part of you, and now you take part in hope being dispersed across the nation. So Paul makes a statement in the same chapter, and he unpacks this idea of we can't choose to forsake the gathering of believers. I put it this way. If you want to start to think that you are great, stop hanging around people. you will quickly believe that you are the best thing out there. See, when we abandon the coming together of believers, the fellowshipping of believers, and that fellowship, we're not just talking about being here, but it includes being here. When we abandon that, we have stepped away from our opportunity to be encouraged and to be filled with hope. Again, I don't want to miss anybody, so I'm trying to hit as many levels as I can. If you are only fellowshipping on Sunday, you're starving six days out of the seven days of the week. And I'm not talking about coming to the church, talking about eternal perspective. When we talk about the church, we are talking about his bride. 
You don't need this to fellowship, but you need this to fellowship. If the only time we are engaging in this time, this type of conversation and connection is Sunday or maybe your Wednesday, try eating that many times a week. You would slowly begin to die. So why do we feel like this is different? And I say we feel like it's different because we all prioritize our lives. So where is fellowship with the believers? And Paul says it this way, that some have, some have basically kind of put on the bottom of the priority list. They no longer see it as important. They've abandoned it. Because at some point in this life thing, we begin to drift and our hope is no longer through the perspective and lens of eternity. Our hope begins to become on what I can do, my capabilities, my relationships with certain individuals. And now I've become the source, i.e. I've become God in my own life. So what are we supposed to do as people? How are we supposed to continue to keep our hope filled and remain full? Because it's hard, right? It's hard to maintain hope. It's hard to maintain peace. It's hard to maintain clarity. It's hard to maintain faith. It's hard to maintain all of those things. But it's impossible to do those things without your eternal hope of Jesus being your Lord and Savior. And so here we are at the end of 2020. And for some of us, it's been a difficult year. Some of us have lost loved ones. We have lost jobs. We've lost business. Like we, we have experienced so much. And then verses 32 through 34, Paul reminds the believers. And he says and puts it this way. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. He said sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction sometimes being partners with those so treated. You had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Let's break it down. What, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, remember the sufferings that you've already walked through. Don't dismiss those things because God was present with you. And it was your hope in him then that brought you through those things. He's saying, don't forget, some of you were publicly exposed when those things happened. And everybody got to see it. But it was your hope in God that kept you moving forward. He said, don't forget, some of you had losses where people took things from you. They wronged you. 
but you were able to maintain your joy because your hope was set on things eternal. He's reminding the body of believers that your situation did not determine your hope. Your hope was already determined in who the creator was. And as the result of those, you found joy in the loss. You maintain joy in the suffering. Because you knew purpose and where you would abide when you left this place. My prayer for us today as we think about where our hope lies, how are we going to step into 2021, choosing to leave some things behind? See, it's not an accident that those things come back. A lot of times they come back because we never dropped them off. It's like a gift. You just wrapped it. So it looks different, but the same stuff is still inside of it. How are you going to move forward this year with a perspective that is in light of eternity? Being reminded of where you have come and what he has brought you through. Filled with hope because you are not abandoning the fellowship of believers. And knowing all the while that regardless of what 2020 or 2021 has in store, there is no situation, there's no difficulty, there's no job loss, there's no transition, there's no struggle, there is no enemy that is going to waver your hope. That is going to deplete your faith. Because you have already been convinced that your hope is set on an eternal perspective. Strong Tower, my prayer for you is that your hope would be made whole. Just as Paul communicated that the gospel fulfilled the law, that your hope would be made whole, that your confidence in him would not be thrown away, but you would see it as a great reward, that you would see the need for endurance, and it would aid you in fulfilling God's will for your life, that you would hold on to hope, becoming people of great faith. Put your hope in Jesus again. This isn't a difficult thing. What's difficult is trying to be disciplined. What's simple is being consistent. Because at any point in the day, any point in your life, you can choose to be consistent. But I can't wake up 
and decide that I want to be disciplined in something. Because that's the result of me being consistent. Some of us need to return to places that we abandoned because hope became too hard. And it was easier to give up than it was to continue to have hope. For some of us, it's relationships. Because the relationship got too hard. So we let it go. It's too much. For some of us, it's some situations. Some places where we've worked where it just got too hard. It was too hard to have hope. That the king could transform this space. Because our approach was... I see myself in a position, and when I'm positioned, my expectation is somebody else is supposed to come in and fix. But when I'm purposed and I step in, I know who I am. I know whose I am. And when you step into those kind of moments, understanding who you are, you recognize you're bringing hope and transformation to the space. The king is looking to work through you. My prayer for us is that we recognize we need endurance. We need perseverance. And we need people in our lives that are going to hold us accountable to push into God and what he wants to do on this earth. See, it's easy to look back at 2020 and just call it whatever it is based on how you feel. But it's a completely different thing to look back at 2020 and say, God, this year you showed me what it means to hope in eternity. You showed me that it's going to get darker before it gets better. But in the darkness, you are present. And it becomes the right prescription for light to shine bright. See, the hopeless ray looks at the situation and wants the situation to change. The ray whose perspective is built on eternity understands that me being in the situation means I have the opportunity to change. And when I change and get myself out the way and I get connected to the source, he will do something greater in me than I can do in my own. So where's your hope today? Pray that your hope will be used to fill others, to ignite others, to revive others. And that you will leave today not the same. But you will leave today filled with hope. To become disciples again that recognize that we are a part of a plan. And that plan seeks to add people to his kingdom every day. But Father, I thank you for this body, and I thank you for your word that you brought in forth today. That you would help us to recognize that what you have given to us, no man can take away. You've given us a hope that is set on things above, set on eternity. And you called us to hold on to that perspective.
And then as insurance for us and our frail humanity, you gave us a body of believers that we could do life with, we could fellowship with, that would help us to remain fixed on you. That would keep us pushing, seeing love and doing good works. Because our hope is in you. Regardless of where we found ourselves in this season of 2020, we are here today. So you've been faithful. We are here today. So our hope is in you. We are here today with breath in our lungs. So whether you are viewing online or you're here presently, there is a reason to have hope. There is a reason to be filled with hope. There's a reason to be hopeful. You didn't abandon us. You didn't leave us to ourselves. But you carried a cross for us. You, you allowed yourself to be nailed to that cross and then you got down from that cross and there's enough hope in that to keep me getting up every day. There's enough hope found in the life that you live and the life that you gave away and the life that you took back to keep me hopeful. There's enough life in that to keep my hope full. God, break the cycles and the loops in our lives that have allowed us to believe anything less for us in this life. And as our perspective of hope is fixed on eternity, may your words become life to us today, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on this earth as it is in heaven. May we be not only convinced but may we be unwavering and our hope renewed that the God that saved us is for us. sits on the right hand of the Father, making his enemies his footstool. God, seal this word today, whoever it was for. May it be received. That you've given us ears to hear, eyes to see, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. May we be filled with hope today and always in your wonderful name.